Lucky Land slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Talk Recorded live. Hey, how y'all doing? This is the producer from Brothers Comics. This is the Civil War Part 3 podcast as we're getting you ready for Civil War the movie. Uh, we have been counting down the issues of the classic series, Civil War, um, from 2006. Please don't get that confused with 1861 Civil War. Uh, we don't want to lead you astray. There were no comics back then. Well, there probably were, but anyway. <laughs> on the line with me, who's on the line today? They probably weren't very good if they were. Probably not. Who's on the line tonight? Brother Beavis, what's up, my mutie? Brother. That's right. What's up, Brother Beavis? What's up, my mutie? Uh, we're just, um, it might just be up tonight. We're not really sure. We were just talking about a little earlier that, um, Sandman and Big Hutch may or may not make the call tonight due to traveling and working issues, but you will definitely know when and if they make the call. Uh, so at the end of issue two, we concluded with, uh, Spider-Man making the big reveal. Uh, both of us were not fans of it then, and definitely not. Oh, boy, here we go, right off the bat. Yeah, so still not a fan of it, but issue three opens on the cliffhanger with the aftermath, essentially, of Peter Parker revealing to the world that he is Spider-Man. And with Tony Stark essentially being his uh, uh, puppet, manipulating Peter into making this decision. He thinks he didn't, but uh, Tony obviously manipulated him into doing it. So go ahead. What were you going to say? Oh, I was going to say your phone's cutting out already. No, but no. As, but as far as better. the story goes, yeah, I mean, like, it's this, this is funny to me where things start to turn south for Tony. And it's almost like he's the face of a lot of these things, but he doesn't really, like, take the heat. Um, yeah. You know, over the next couple of issues, there's, you know, I think up to this point, you know, there's, you know, you can make a case for either side. Nobody's really made any severe missteps, but, like, you know, Tony remains the face, but once he cuts, like, Reed and, and Hankley's, then some of the sketchy decisions start coming out. But, yeah, I mean, definitely this putting Peter Parker out there is not good for Peter Parker, for sure. Um, but it's definitely a PR move strictly designed to get people over to Iron Man's side. Right. And the discussion shifts to Wakanda, where Reed Richards and uh, T'Challa are having this discussion about T'Challa being thrilled with this whole idea and Reed still in uh, sect and, you know, hey, you know, we're doing this new thing. We're creating this new world. Like, it's all going to be (laughs) Reed has completely locked out his whole family this issue. He's completely oblivious here. I mean, (laughs) I mean, because I think the interesting thing is here, it was like, this is like his chance to make his fantasy come true. And he's been cut loose to make the world the way he wants it. And right. he doesn't see like how everything around him is falling apart. Yeah. And he's, he's like, how's the human story? He's like, I don't know. Like, I guess he's all right. <laughs> <laughs> Assuming over. 
Yeah, Susan's uh, got that. I, I'm yeah. I'm remaking the world. Susan's gonna take care of that. Yeah, yeah. I had Herbie fly over and you know carry some flowers. <laughs> oh yeah, we had a whole comic book series without that without that motherfucker. We're fine. We're fine. Yeah, we're fine. Herbie, roll Herbie oh, there. Having little kids throwing themselves on fire, <laughs> wanting to be him, man. We're good. Uh, and to y'all, like you know, hey man, go call your family, go call your wife <laughs> before you get back to the Baxterville, and then all the docs has changed. Um, so, you know, the book keeps shifting. It did this in the second issue, the scene, as people have their own um, feelings about what's going on, and each by each people trying to get whoever back. And there's some allegiance switching that's going to happen here, too. Val Cap's people are the secret Avengers, uh, and they've gone out and, you know, create these missions to still stop the bad guys, but, you know, get out of town uh, before the shield essentially comes and gets them. So you have a scene with Wasp and um, Hank Pym, who's Yellow Jacket at this point, where they're having that Doctor Strange thing. Now, who's they talking to there? That's Wong. He's... uh... He's, that's uh, one of Doctor Strange's, I guess is his primary henchman. Okay. Um, yeah. Yeah, soon to be whitewashed probably in the movie. Anyway. <laughs> well, they whitewashed the ancient one. Uh, I don't yeah. know if there is a Wong character. Well, they'll probably call him or her Wong, and it'll probably <laughs> still be a white dude with his head shaved. Uh, yeah, that's, that was a function of our previous podcast for the Brothers Comics one about... Uh, the ghost in the shell whitewashing, uh, but we'll leave that for another time. Well, but Baron, or not Baron, is it Baron Mordo? Baron Mordo. Black, He's Mordo, black, yeah. Mordo is black, so. Yeah. Yeah. Baron <laughs> is a... outraged that such a signature character of the white race has been t- made into yeah. black. Yeah, <laughs> just like Heimdall, you motherfuckers, you guys. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Yeah. <laughs> if anybody. Hold, uh, this side of the topic. You know how deep you got to be in the comics to know anything about goddamn Doctor Strange, anyway. I mean, honestly. Yeah. I mean, yeah. Very talking, far from a mainstream character. I mean, he yeah. pops up and makes everything better occasionally in random titles, but I don't. Right. I think you have to be like, you have to be on to something to like have really been deep in Doctor Strange. And yeah, I don't know that this is another character. Like, if you've met somebody who's like, oh, I love comics. My favorite character is Doctor Strange. I've yeah. not met that person yet. Yeah, exactly. And I would not sit next to him in the movie theater <laughs> at a midnight showing either um, because it could get ugly and real quick. Um, so, again, another shift change as Tony Stark has gone out to the Xavier Institute um, and having a conversation with Emma Frost. Uh, Tony's still in pimp daddy mode as he moved from his black suit to his white suit. And he makes this I think, I think I had that suit in, in ninth grade. You may I have. Think I think I might have worn that suit at Rock. I'm not, it is I'm very not faux uh, <laughs> Miami Vice uh, <laughs> there, little Sonny Crockett. Uh, but, yeah, Tony and Emma have this conversation. Tony alludes to their agreement or arrangement that they used to have when they would see each other. And another reason why Skyclops is all fucked up is that, oh, yeah, Emma's like, yeah, you know, I I told him about everything that I did. No, I, he knows everybody that I fucked. Um, man, I didn't need to know that either. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, now, so I kind of quit when, so, like, I, I knew that, you know, they were married and Gene was still around and there was weird stuff going on with Emma. But I missed the whole part in the books where Gene died and he's, like, he legit, 
feels like he loves Emma. I've missed that whole part of the story. Right. Uh, I know a lot of the stuff I've read, like all the other X-Men hate him for that, among other things. Among uh, other things. Yeah, but I've missed the whole, why, why did that actually come about? So I, I'm kind of lost on some of this. And as we said before, there's been, you know, swaths of time where the two of us have been out of the comic book game for various reasons, and then you come back and you pick it up years later. There's no reason or way to go back and collect all the stuff that you missed, so you kind of have to piece it together through the internet and trade paperbacks. Um, and so now, yeah, I'm not sure of that whole backstory either. Emma's whole point is, which is something that we kind of brought up at the beginning of in the first episode, was, yeah, uh, it's kind of weird that y'all are caring about this stuff now because when the mutants were getting mm-hmm. wiped out, y'all didn't give a shit, you know. Mm-hmm. And again, we can, you know, change the word <laughs> from mutants to Negro, and it's the like, well, the N word to the N word. Yeah, when they were getting wiped out, you didn't care. And where were the Avengers when Genosha died? You know, I mean, there was nothing. And, you know, Tony's got no answer for this. Was the Mutant Registration Act just a threat, or did it actually come to pass? Because I know that was part of the Days of Future Past storyline, but was there ever actually a legitimate Mutant Registration Act? I don't believe so. Yeah, Um, I think that was only in the dystopian future storylines. I don't think they ever got there. Right. But it always ends bad. Those always end bad, so there's no reason to believe that this is going to end well. Right. With, like, dystopian futures, you mean? Or yeah, any re- yeah. bad registration act? The re- the registration act never goes well. <laughs> For anybody. Correct. Right. Um, so, Tony's like, well, I guess we can't count on the X-Men. The X-Men are like, we're just going to stay neutral. Which is kind of the theme. If we think about through, like, the original Secret Wars that we did, you know, they tried to stay neutral in that as well uh, before getting pulled into or onto on the other side. Um, and so as Tony's leaving with Happy, um, Bishop is laying in the cut and asking, you know, can he talk to him? And so we get another shift, and now we get to all the heroes in there. Cap looks like um, J. Jonah Jameson. <laughs> they all kind of look like pedophiles. Of one uh, yeah, a little bit. Like, what's up with the sweater vest and collar shirt? Um, yeah, uh, Hercules... Uh, the character looks like Bishop if he was more light skinned. Um, yeah. Daredevil, it, yeah, a former coach at Ohio State, and then <laughs> looks like a black guy that's stuck there, probably with the check. <laughs> Bill Foster. I, th- I feel like he was introduced to the whole story for the sole reason that would be revealed in issue four. Yeah. <laughs> Remind that old Eddie Murphy joke. Yeah, I mean, some bonbons there, some bonbons, some popcorn, and uh, what do you want? Some juju business, and the nigger's gonna pay for it. <laughs> <laughs> Poor Bill Foster, man. Uh, so yeah, they're trying to figure out how they're going to get. You know, they're using their little secret identities to, you know, have a cover for their uh, secret avenging in the evenings. You know, it really kind of turned into the um, like the Incredibles. Where they, you know, they do their secret uh, hero work on the on the side. Uh, I guess Bill Foster would be Frozone, and um, <laughs> the only other option. Um, and you know, it's just a lot of you know politicking and monologuing about how this is going to go. When I was reading it, I was like, wow, this is probably the most dialogue that you'll find in a book since like you know 2002. 
I agree. It, took, it actually took me for the first time, for the first time, for a long time to read this book. But I still swear nothing really happens. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, it's a very stagnant scene where there's really them just talking. And I guess you would get that in the books that we used to read before where people were just talking. But I guess in the overall sense, in a large sense of the book, it was moving in some general direction. This is just yeah. standing still. Um, yeah. I mean, it really is. It's just standing still. You know, and then something happens, you know, Wonder Twin powers activate, everybody gets to their Superman moves there, and, you know, they're off to fight whichever other bad guy. I mean, we all know this is a, a setup um, coming up. Johnny Storm, again, uh, and I, I told Sandman, I was like, we're going to refer to him now as Dickhead and Johnny Storm. <laughs> Dickhead Johnny Storm is um, awake at the hospital trying to see what's going on. Um, there's a uh, uh, an explosion or whatever at a chemical plant and uh, the heroes show up to try to rescue the people there. It is an absolute setup. Cable realizes it's too late. Of course, they take out the sucker heroes first with Cloak and Vulcan and then you get your finally off between uh, pro-registration and uh, anti-registration folks. And it's the first time that they're going to have a semi-sort of battle here. Um, of course, they have to talk about it first, but, you know, it, it, again, reading this book, did you find yourself siding one way or the other? At this point, no. I think it, I mean, I still think it starts to turn at this point. I don't think Tony's done anything too reprehensible. I still would put myself in, in Cap Cap's camp, and he really hasn't started his slide, so I, I'm sort of still on Team Cap, but I think from here forward is where that kind of starts to change. Right. And so, you know, S.H.I.E.L.D. is watching this whole situation ready to take down uh, the secret Avengers if anything goes to waste. Of course, more monologuing. You shouldn't be doing this. We should be doing this. Spider-Man gets involved, you know, in this whole situation, or at least the Iron Spider version. And, you know, it doesn't have to be like this. We don't have to fight. Come on, man. We could be brothers. What, you need some money? I can help you, man. You don't need to do this, Paz. Um. <laughs> that, that's and well, the zero people not currently on this uh, on this podcast get. <laughs> <laughs> well, if anybody over the age of shit, you got to be forty. You have to be pretty deep into wrestling to have even caught that, and I cannot find evidence that that actually happened. So. Uh, and much like this uh, All Star Wrestling card, that has been scrubbed from the, the interweb as well. Yeah. Uh, and I know I've gone down that rabbit hole for quite a few hours trying to find it. Uh, but what, anyway. I, what was it? I can't even find. Was it Night? It was Night Train. I can't even find Night like Train. Like, yeah. Night Train, and it was, and it was on. It was. It wasn't on. TBS, it was on the syndicated one, which was World Championship Wrestling. Was that yeah. Saturday? I think that was Saturday. Excuse me, Saturday version. And yeah, uh, yeah, there's no way of finding that. <laughs> <laughs> I guess if you had WWE Network, right? Yeah, yeah. I don't know. I'm I'm gonna guess that they don't. They have not prioritized putting. A Pistol Pez Wally and Night Train interview <laughs> with the Paul Jones Army uh, against Jimmy Valiant up online. I, I'm just going to guess that that's not first in the queue. In a sense, it would be well worth that $10 a month. 
just yeah. for the find it. Yeah. Don't okay. let me find out it's on there. That's another ten. <laughs> but I feel pretty certain it's not. Duly noted. I mean, so, so in the story, like here's a thing where I start to see Tony's side. Like Tony's like, look, you know, this isn't perfect, but there's this stuff going on. I do have a plan. Let me explain it to you. You need some money. I got a little money here. Yeah, you got a little money. And I think Cap kind of steals on him here in a way that I find that, I, you know, I have a hard time kind of defending this. And it's, and he can't just be pissed off to like, you know, you had to set us up to have this conversation. It's not like if you had right. called and said that, you would have been like, okay, let's move. So that's mm-hmm. where I start to see Cap like, what? You know, right. You, you know, shut his armor off and then just steal on him. So, right. Yeah. And transitioning to the movie to be like, you kind of wonder seeing at least the clips that have already come out about, you know, hey, we were friends and I was too. And you start to see the seeds of maybe some of that, at least in the trailers. Um, But they've done a very good job of kind of pitting them opposite of one another in the movies leading up to this point anyway. Um, Are you familiar with like Galactic Storm, the Avengers story that was like, uh, I think it was the Kree-Shiar War that it, it was like 19 parts and it ran across the Avengers and the end of it, um, the whole thing was a setup. The Supreme Intelligence had recognized that the Kree had reached a genetic dead end. So he engineered this war with the Shi'ar where the Shi'ar would destroy basically the Kree race and so that whoever survived would then like go through another mutation cycle to be stronger. And once the Avengers figured that out, they had this whole divide about whether or not the, the Supreme Intelligence deserved to die. And Tony was on the side of, yeah, we should just kill the Kree Supreme Intelligence, and Cap wasn't. And so that's that was like, you know, they drew up clear lines, and the guys that wanted him dead went off and killed him, and Cap mm-hmm. didn't like it, but he couldn't do anything about it. And it was they were split like 50-50. And so, mm-hmm. you know, this is a continuation of that, but I think, you know, in, more, in some ways more extreme. Right. And I think... I know you were not ready for the Galactic Storm reference. Sounds like we may have lost the producer again. Let me scan ahead and see what's going on in the book. So most of the last part of this book, there's some interesting giant man on giant man on the Atlas. Uh, you've got the supersized yellow jacket and the supersized uh, Goliath and then Atlas from the Thunderbolts. And it makes for a really confusing perspective because to show him in a fight, and it's not sure who's who because everyone's different size. So you can't get a feel of who's what. So there's some good Spider-Man action where he debuts, like the Iron Man suit, his Iron Spider suit. He's got the forearms, and he's actually he takes out Daredevil, the Vision. He takes on Cap. Uh, basically, he's he's pretty much handles everybody until Iron Man comes back online. And then you have Iron Man offense against. Uh, uh, Captain America. And here's the part where uh, when we get to issue four, I think we'll we'll kind of call back to this. But, I mean, these people are going like full on against each other. Iron Man is punching Captain America right in the face with powered armor, you know, blood flying. His little cow is torn apart. I mean, these they, literally these people are going at each other like tooth and nail, no holds bar. And so when the events of issue four come online, which we're going to get to in a second, Yeah, I think it's like, well, what did you think was actually happening? Because the big reveal of issue three is 
Thor, and I have no idea why he wasn't, like, why what was going on him with the time. I think he was dead or he was lost or whatever. A, a, a person who looks exactly like Thor appears on the, on the scene and starts pretty much, you know, putting the smack down on Cap's team. So that brings us to the end of issue three. I still say that nothing of significance happened in that. Um, and it was a very long read, so that brings us to issue four. Producer, you're pretty, back? Yes, I am. I had a pretty awesome soliquely going there, man. Yeah? How long <laughs> yeah. did it take for you if you were just talking before you figured out nobody was on the phone? Well, the I kept the ch- <laughs> well, I kept the chat open uh, for a while. I have the chat window open to see if anybody yeah. else is jumping on. And I saw Brothers Comics was hung up. I'm like, what the? No, we didn't. So, yeah, I'm talking. I'm talking. Uh, well, oh, yeah. you know, every so often, you know, the MC takes a step back and the hype man gets to have, you know, a moment yeah, in the spotlight. So, Cold on Ample and Brother Beavis, you know, for yeah. a little bit. No big deal. <laughs> yeah, Flav, get on the stage, man. We'll like to get some water. <laughs> oh. So, yeah, uh, but I'm sure you said that, you know, the battle begins to ensue. I don't know why Hulk. They they really were trying to pump these uh, young Avengers or whatever. Yeah, Hulkling is in there. Filler. Oh, my God, totally. And you, you see uh, that, um, what's his name? Uh, I cannot get Yellow Jacket's name in my head today. Yellow Jacket comes up, and him and uh, Black Goliath are having their little battle of giants yeah, that, over there. Yeah, that picture for me with, like, the three supersized people – it seems like it's all completely misdrawn because all the big, you know, you can't tell who's big, who's little. Right. It's just a yeah. bunch of fights superimposed on each other. Yeah, life failed again, I think is the actual <laughs> adjective. <No. laughs> um, and that, what I've seen as for you, and I heard you were saying about getting issue four, you know, you have the big fight scene, and I'm reading this, and I'm like, oh, well, there goes Spider-Man once again on complete mm-hmm. offense. He yep. I mean, he does not take L's, man. I mean, he's gonna take one here in a little bit, but um, not enough for me. You know, he's treating Captain America defeats just about anybody and everybody because of his supreme fighting skills, but not Spider Man. Um, well, so, not you know, not the subject here, but in Avengers versus X Men, he 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 takes on and, and essentially defeats two of the Phoenix Five. Yeah, exactly. He, he yeah. effectively beats Colossus and Magic, both imbued with the power of the Phoenix. Right, yeah, and that, that may <laughs> that may that may be our uh, next series. As I was searching for this, I got the thumbing through that too, um, and that's pretty freaking confusing with all the side angle side hooks, as Big Hutch says. Um, but yeah, so Cap is taking an ass whipping from Iron Spider, um, and then now that Tony gets his armor rebooted, he goes into full ass kick mode on Captain America, and he gives it to him. And again, like I was saying, how they they draw the two differences between um between the movies of what they've done, uh, in like the Avengers and setting up these two and then in Age of Ultron as well, you know being in the Yang situation here. Mm-hmm. And, you know, you can be on one side or not. It it doesn't I don't know that it really, really matters. But I I like how they've set that up over the course of you know, in Avengers and then in um, Age of Ultron and then and now in this movie where, you know, the two of them, they get along, but they don't. And yeah. that's what I was saying on my long soliloquy was that, you know, I hate to bring things back to Batman versus Superman, but 
you know, somebody has to be the moral compass of the team. Somebody does. Yeah. You know, now whichever moral compass you kind of associate or align yourself with, that's fine. But we know the moral compass of the team um, typically should be Captain America or would be Captain America. But in this, it's kind of complete. It, it's kind of flipped on its head a little bit, and you starting to spill yourself out cheering for Iron Man. I mean, I don't, I don't like the, the beating uh, Captain America scene that much, but I can roll with it. You know, <laughs> he certainly earned his ass with him. Uh, certainly, you know, uh, and Iron Man is like completely giving it to him. I'm surprised Hercules got such a big uh, like run in this. I agree. I don't know. No. Well, I don't know. I'm sure there are Hercules fans out there, but Mm. I don't know if it was just somebody to, you know, be comparable in power to stand Mm -hmm. up to Thor and they were trying to draw up parallel teams. I don't know. I mean, I guess he's okay, but I'm not recalling any significant Hercules stories. Um, Right. Yeah. And as as Hercules sees Cap getting his tail kicked in, you know, we get the flash of lightning from the uh, the sun uh, from the sky, um, and then a what the hell, and then finally Thor appears. Now at this point in time, you got to fill me in. Like, why was Thor? No, I was not just saying, I didn't know. I didn't know what he was up to, where he came from. I think he was. They they say coming up that he was like lost at the time. I don't know if he was dead or whatever. But mm-hmm. I don't, I I don't know. That's a great. Uh, like page at the end, like that full picture of Thor there. Um, that's some pretty yeah. sweet artwork. Um, so that's the end of issue three, and we open with issue four um, with a nice little page recap there. But still, still Thor with his, uh, you know, the lightning about to bring the lightning, and everybody is in astonishment. And again, we're kind of confused. This would have been a Sandman question because he would know, um, you know, where Thor was up into this point. And um, everybody's shocked to see him, but Thor's not making words or <laughs> making words initially. And then he makes his words. Word. Yeah, then he starts using his words, and it, then he starts speaking with his hammer again, and he starts knocking they're, people out. Yeah. I hate that picture, not, by the way. They're not nice words once he starts using his words. No. Um, and then everybody's, you know, running in fear, and rightfully so. And like I said, I think, People that don't read comics and only watch the movies are like, oh, you know, Thor is, you know, he's kind of cool. He's got the hammer and stuff. I'm like, yeah, but you really don't know how powerful Thor is. They kind of, you know, emasculated him a little bit in those movies. He's super duper powerful. Like, he really doesn't need the Avengers. He does it, you know, because he can. He doesn't really need them. He can pretty much defeat anybody and everybody that he wanted to um, on his own. I think throughout the Secret Wars, you know, we, we talked about, you know, how much stronger he was. Like, he he beat basically all the villains that, you know, he had all the villains handled at one point and right. just kind of split so he could check on his friends who had been dumped, who had a mountain dumped on him. Uh, right. you know, Magneto respected him. You know, he was the only one who could stand up to the elements of the battle world. I mean, he was, yeah, he's way powerful, way more powerful mm-hmm. than the cinematic universe. Yeah. And so when we but I shift think that's back partly to, because, you know, they're, they're not willing to call him a god. They're not willing to talk about, you know, Asgard in that way. So he's just, right. you know, he's just really powerful. Now, on Nerd Notes, on our podcast this week, we found that um, that they, that Natalie Portman will not be back in Ragnarok. That, yeah, I heard that. I'm not yeah. necessarily upset. I have nothing against her, but 
she's one of the long line of like female leads in Marvel movies that really don't add to the story. Okay. <laughs> yeah, and, and and Mary Jane, I'm looking at you. So yeah. <laughs> it was as I as I went through the Twitter verse as this was going on, I was kind of surprised that most people held that way of thinking I, you know I mean I watch those movies and I'm like oh you know I mean I like Natalie Portman in terms of you know I don't really care about actors and actresses all that much in that sense but you know I mean I, I kind of like her she's got horse like features but um, you know <laughs> whatever she also fits my dudes that are built like dude, <laughs> girls that are built <laughs> like dudes so you know there's things that I like about her but you know I, I was thinking like the you know, if she was not in any of those movies, would it have been any better or could it no. have been anybody else, you know, where they didn't have to pay yeah. for other $10 million to have her in it for 15 minutes? And now, hopefully <laughs> Kat Dennings is still going to be in yeah. Ragnarok. Hopefully they haven't taken her out of Ragnarok, I hope. I hope not, yes. <laughs> I hope her her two Ragnaroks show up, uh, basically, is what I'm saying. Uh, she's definitely not a boy, a girl built like a boy um, in any way, shape, or form. <laughs> Holy cow. Um, anyway. So yeah, so we shift back, and then and I think, I think that's another case where like it's not that you know the portrayals are bad. It's the role is a dream. The role is written as a dream. I mean, it's like yeah. I don't want you to get hurt. I don't want you to be a superhero. Blah blah blah. It just yeah. it doesn't always contribute to the story. And I you know I'm, I have nothing against you know putting a love interest or whatever, but make it make it move the story along. And that was like right. again, Mary Jane, Spider Man Two is a fantastic movie. Other than the fact that Mary Jane's trying to get him to not be Spider-Man the whole time. Right. So, yeah. you know, it's like there's enough obstacles to being a hero. Don't add another one for just right. to, to, to have the illusion that that's going to draw in female viewers. Because I, right. I can't imagine, like, people go to these movies like, do you see Thor? Oh, yeah, Jane Foster was awesome. I love, I love <laughs> Natalie Portman. That was, yeah. I could see any story Natalie Portman. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, the love story between Thor and Jane Foster was really what drew me in. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Probably not. Um, I mean, we we might have to ask the female perspective on that, but my take is that that's probably not bringing people in. Yeah, probably not, and definitely not for Thor with her because she hates them both. Um, <laughs> so, as we shift back to the the ass kicking of Captain America 2006, Tony trying to get him to stand down. Like, look, this is over. You know how this is going to end. You know, just like take this L, and then we can figure something out but he won't, and Tony tries a more humane way of trying to essentially fry his brain with some, you know, super audio still Cap. You know, everybody knows about Cap's wheel, and he won't stop or whatever, you know, and you see this played out here. And I think this is probably one of the scenes that we will probably get in the movie. You know, a loose interpretation, obviously, of the whole storyline, but this some version of this fight scene I think we're going to get in that movie. Go ahead. I'm sorry. No, I was going to say, I mean, this is this is to me where the characterization of Cap is really slipping because, like, one of the best things, I, I would imagine, I guess, when's Infinity War come out? A while? I imagine at some point we're going to be having a series of conversations about the Infinity Gauntlet. Right. And my favorite part about the Infinity Gauntlet is once the heroes gear up to go fight Thanos, it, it comes down to, like, Thanos and Captain America, and it's, you know, which is no contest. But Captain mm-hmm. America's standing there explaining, you know, he's talking about, like, you know, as long as there's one person there's someone to fight you, you know, he's, he's, his resistance is, is noble and it's, it's commendable. Here he's just right. being addicted to Tony. 
and he's insulting right. Tony. <laughs> you know this. You know this Captain America. You know I would just assume this character, Captain America, got knocked the fuck out because you know his right. resistance is not you know is not compelling. Right. And um, Tony, you know, like I said, Tony trying to be more humane. Still, Cap won't give up. Um, and then Hercules comes in with the, you know, with the, uh, the <laughs> he runs in on the ref at the two count uh, to break it <laughs> dusty up. Finish. Yeah, dusty finish. Um, and <laughs> then, you know, things all break loose again. And of course, the Justice Master is Thor. You know, he's going to set things right, even though it looks like things are getting somewhat calmed down. If they try to get Cap out of there, of course, Falcon will step and fetch it, run and go get Cap. And as he, of course, and he starts to fly out, but things aren't the same. And as Bill Foster makes his um, move against um, Thor, even though things are pretty much calmed down, everybody's like, "All right, you know, we're good." No, we're really not good. And uh, <laughs> and Thor freaking uh, cuts him essentially in two. Um, uh, with a lightning bolt and right through him and shocks everybody into, uh, yeah. Okay. Impales, I believe is the word. Impale. Yeah. Good, good word. Um, we've been saying this since we went to issue one, like, um, why is black Goliath there? (laughs) (laughs) For this page, apparently. Yeah. For this panel right here. And it appears that they said somebody's going to have to die in this that makes an impact, air quotation mark, that, you know, we can, you know, we need a shift in the story. Like, you know, we get to a point now and we're going to go on the other side of the mountain. Something has to shift everything to the other side of the mountain. Okay, so we got to kill somebody. It's a standard comic trope. We can live with that. Usually they pick a character that might make something more of a significance, but they introduce a character who hadn't really been actively involved in any of the comics for a very long time put him back into this major storyline is like a red jersey dude going on a Star Trek mission. I mean, you could see it coming even if you... It's the red jersey people that get killed, right? Yeah, the red shirt. Okay. Yeah, red shirt Star Trek person, you know, so you could see this coming and, even, I mean, I in 2006, I was like, why is Black Goliath in this? You know, and now... <laughs> oh, now I get it. Oh, you know, now, and you know, as you start to get, I'm like, wait a second. And so now he gets impaled and killed and it just, it comes back to, you know, since nobody stays dead in comics anyway, you could have killed a mainstream character, air quotation, mainstream character and not had it, you know, and not really be that big a deal because you could have brought Apparently Thor was dead at the time when he came right. back to kill somebody. So, <laughs> I can tell you that death is not really a, uh, it's a, it's a, yeah, it's a exactly. thing in the Marvel Universe. Right. And, yeah, there's that. And then there's also the, you know, parallels of whatever. It's like, okay, Thor came in and knocked the shit out of a whole bunch of other people, but didn't kill him. The black guy, though. Yeah. Know, yeah, well, that's the might thing, be a... like the thing I don't get here is like they're all outraged, like oh I never saw that coming. Well, Iron Man was pounding Captain America directly in the face with right. uh, nuclear powered or whatever whatever his technology is powered gauntlets. Right. I mean, he 
that those are lethal blows. I mean, people are right. using lethal force against each other in this fight, and now all of a sudden they're surprised that somebody died. It's like, well, what, right. did, what did you think you were doing here? Right. What did you think you were doing when you guys were all going all out against each other with your powers? Whoops, somebody right. died. That wasn't supposed to happen. That's ridiculous. Yeah. It, this, well, this is classic comic book writing. It is classic comic book writing, and it's also classic, you know, uh, let's kill the only black guy in the book kind of writing as well. Now, of course, uh, Cage, Luke Cage was in it, but he's not in this scene. Um, well, Falcon's in the Falcon's directly in the scene where his body. Right, Falcon's directly, and they could have. Well, Luke, Luke Falcon. Cage is in the next. The, Luke Cage is standing there with his mouth open, while yeah, Tiger okay. says, "My God!" and then Falcon's flying through. Right. So, I mean, they could have killed Falcon, and it, it would have still played the same racial trope, but it would have had probably a little bit more of an impact. Yeah, some weight. Yeah, it would have had more impact than killing somebody that. Shit, I'm black, and I don't give a damn about Black Goliath. Um, the only, right. the only, so my history with Black Goliath, my brother had like a stack of about 20 random comics. Mm-hmm. And one of them was the Champions of Los Angeles, which was a, mm-hmm. like a 17-issue series that was uh, Hercules, Black Widow, Ghost Rider, Iceman, Angel. Don't ask me how a team like right. that came together. But there was this one random issue, the one that my brother had, that in the midst of the story about the champions, there was some, like, mysterious construct on top of a building, and Black Goliath happened to be, he was Black Goliath at the time, happened to mm. be there and climbed up and went into this thing. And the story was never resolved, because, you know, it was always this. Mm. Look at the next issue for whatever. And so, like, I was like, I wonder what happened to Black Goliath. And so I went all that time to get to this point, and, and he's just, you know, like you said, the red shirt to get taken out to give yep. a false sense of importance to Civil War. Right. And it gets worse, to be quite honest with you, as we start to go through here, you know, get to see um, Sue Storm's flat butt. Um, and that's the hero story. <laughs> Let's put the white girl in something white to make her butt there? even flatter. <laughs> Sue didn't get them squats. Um, so, yeah, everybody's shocked. Which is a uh, wait? Was that that's not Sue Storm to tell them that that's that's oh, Dagger. Whose flat ass is it? That's Dagger. Dagger in the white. Dagger yeah, need to go. Dagger needs to get some squats. <laughs> well, she's hooked up with a cloak, so. Well, yeah. <laughs> I feel like I feel like maybe that story didn't have all the right elements in it. Yeah. You hear that they're doing a cloak and dagger yeah. uh, series on freeform, right? That's kind of yeah. bullshit. Yeah. All right. So, just, so there was a, So I know that at least some people on Brothers Comics are fans of Game of Thrones. So there was a series on um, coming out on the Sword of Shannara. It was based on another another fantasy novels, and mm-hmm. it was on MTV. And I was like, oh well. And somebody said to me, like, oh, yeah, but it's on MTV. I'm like, well, why does that matter? It's, you know, it could be a good right. story. Being on MTV definitely had an impact, and it was very okay. teen angsty and terrible. And so yeah. if you're telling me they're making, like, the Cloak and Dagger show that's, like, designed for the teen audience and whatnot, yeah. I feel certain it's going to be terrible. Yeah, it's – no, it's – the book, at least originally, is dark and um, mysterious – not necessarily for Freeform, uh, which is the former ABC family. Um, 
So putting it on there, it's going to wind up being, and I, I think I wrote this on a tweet to someplace, that it's going to wind up being like Pretty Little Liars or something like that. Yeah. And there's nothing wrong with Pretty Little Liars. I, I outing myself and zero fucks given, like I watch Pretty Little Liars, but um, that's not superhero stuff. Like, and I'm perfectly okay with Pretty Little Liars being Pretty Little Liars and Cloak and Dagger being something completely not on this station. Um, but yeah, sorry. So then if, I don't know if you up, watch. I just got if my you watch Arrow on the CW. And it is pretty uh, much like the early parts of Arrow is essentially Gossip Girl with superheroes. Right. Uh, I've, I've seen parts of the first season. We just recently started watching that. And like we just, we're still trying to finish the first season of The Flash. And uh, I know my son watched the first season of Arrow on his own on Netflix. And I'm like way behind on that. Um, and I know it's like in season four or five. So I'm way, way behind on that. And I'm, that, like I said, I mean, finished the first season of The Flash on Netflix, um, which I like a lot. Uh, yeah. But, um, I, yeah, I didn't get... The, the difference between Fra- Flash and Green Lantern is, or Green Arrow is, the shows, that is, it took a long time, I think, for the Green, for the Arrow show to embrace the fact that it was actually a comic book series about the Green Arrow. Because they tried to make it more of like, a small show that just happened to have superheroes versus Flash, which has always just been a comic book show. I mean, but when right. you've got a show that features a gorilla with telepathic powers, you pretty yeah. much have to accept that it's a comic book show. And yeah, I, roll I with think that's that been the advantage, yeah. Okay. Yeah, I, yeah, I have no desire to see Cloak and Dagger on Freeform. I mean, I'm okay. sure I will, and we'll have to watch it for the website purposes, but I won't stick with it very long. Inside back to what you said before about that sort of whatever. Um, Female Perspective and Big Hutch actually did a Game of Thrones podcast last night on reviewing season five and their anticipation of season six on Sunday. Is that right when it comes on? Yeah, I think so. Okay. So, yeah, they're they're all pumped up and they did their little preview last night. Um, I don't watch Game of Thrones. Uh, I don't have HBO uh, that's not the reason I don't watch it. Y'all have always been more into that medieval type stuff. Um, I've I know ever always... since ever since you lost out on the gauntlets of overpower from beating up on bugbears, you know the whole yeah. thing. <laughs> <laughs> we're side off topic here. Do, okay, do you do you know that story? Yeah, like vaguely. Okay, yeah, yeah that we you we, got pissed off because we didn't was it was. Somebody got the magic. Yeah, Rollins won got the, the gauntlets of overpower, or the girl of giant strength, or whatever. And I'm sure it lorded yeah. it over you all. And then you guys got pissed off and quit. Oh no, it didn't even get to the lording part. It was <laughs> had been playing for like two or three weeks, and we had been on missions and uh, for whatever for the longest time. And he freaking out rolled dice, and me, both Hallett brothers, were like, "Let's quit this game." <laughs> <laughs> stupid, and then that was it. I never rolled another die on the six side of that. <laughs> that is some hating. That is some, that is some world class hating right there. That is some world class hating, man. <laughs> like I hate you. I hate everybody. It looks like you. I hate your mama. I hate everything, and I quit. And I never, I never played again. Uh, and so my medieval type stuff is very limited. You know my. 
Lord of the Rings watching is limited to movies. I never read books. <laughs> um, like I just, you know, whatever. And uh, yeah, so that that's about it for me. Um, but I, from people that I listen to and I or listen and talk to, I talk to you, I listen to other podcasts and talk to them or whatever. They say the show is great. I, I just I think it's just too far gone for me at this point. Five seasons or six seasons in, there's just no catching up for that for me. And here, there's lots of tits in it, and I, I like that. And um, yeah, it's yeah. a quality show. Yeah, I, that's what I mean. That's what I hear. I told them, you know, I think I you were in that email too. I was like, if y'all are gonna do that, don't feel free to get in contact with him because he would be good for that. Because uh, I'm sure. Yeah, he's I may try and get on on the. I think weren't they gonna do like a post post uh, yeah. premiere? I'm not trying yeah. to get on that. Yeah, that's that's yeah, because they they are way into it. They did probably 45 minutes the other night. So anyway, anyway, so I just got my Sue Storms mixed <laughs> up. My oh, way, white. He got yeah. way off topic. Yeah, way off the reservation. So Sue Storm shows up with and pre- presents a protective bubble. Uh, to stop Thor's other lightning from killing everybody else. Now, naturally, she couldn't have shown up to protect Bill Foster like 30 seconds earlier, but whatever. She um, was on the other team up until this point, so this is her turn. Uh, this is actually one of the coolest parts, you know, when she's like, yeah, I'm not doing this anymore. And this right. really highlights how powerful she really is. Um, right. You know, and not only also, just relative to the Fantastic Four, but relative to, like, everybody here. Right. And a then a awful and a great character too for comics, um, from a female perspective, uh, and also from just a comic book uh, character perspective too. Uh, you know, on John Byrne's run on Fantastic Four, which I think we've referenced numerous times on these podcasts, is that I mean, you really got a chance to see how powerful she was, and she really moved from the Invisible Girl to the Invisible Woman, and you got to see her personality and powers. You know kind of expand in that time. So I've been a, a like a fan of her since that little run. And I've always been a fan of the Fantastic Four too, um, in their different incarnations in terms of like who's written them for over periods of time. It's just that um they are probably the worst of the Marvel books about repeating the same stories with the same characters, just like different ways. Like everybody that gets on the book Hey, I got to write a Doctor Doom story. Hey, I got to write an old man story. Hey, I got to yeah. write, you know, it's just like, oh, my God, I've seen this a thousand times. We're on it 600 issues. And I know you're going to repeat yourself occasionally, but you're like a soap opera at this point. She has a great role in the the great series, the Avengers Earth's Mightiest Heroes, in a great episode of that where Cap has been uh, kidnapped by the Skrulls. Right. And they've also kidnapped her, and they've got her subdued because she is so powerful. And Cap busts everybody out, most of which are villains. And he's, like, staying behind so everybody can get to go. And, and she finally wakes up and just, you know, exerts control over the whole situation. Um, that whole that whole series for Cap and they bring Spider-Man to it, it's, that's just, that's a great series. And that, that stretch with him, I think the payoff where they start to fight all the Super Scrolls at the end is kind of cheesy. But the, yeah. the whole series for him where, like, everybody hates Cap for a little bit is it's, it's phenomenal. Yeah. Oh, no, that's one of the best. Uh, comic book adaptation cartoons that was ever made. Um, the fact that they switched it to the newer version, which is completely Disney-fied, is just yeah. a shame. Um, yeah. But oh, so we find out that as uh, Sue saves everybody, Cloak gets them out, and Reed is left there with. Now we've known out that Thor is an actual clone. Uh, that they've somehow cloned Thor 
um, Reed has, and with the help of Tony, and um, and Hank, he's huh, and Hank, I think, yellow yeah, and yeah, and now he has to deal with the aftermath of all of his um <laughs> his foibles of, that have led up to this point, where Sue is like, you know what? what in the world did you think was going to happen when you cloned Thor? Like, how did you not think that this would be a real possibility? And he tries to give it that to mansplain it to her. And she gives him, don't even speak a word to me. Now we're both (laughs) married. Uh, whenever those words come from our uh, wives mouths, um, yeah, that's probably a good time to not say anything. Yeah. And just take whatever. There are, there are are times, there are a few times where the words that are said actually mean, what they yeah. what they actually say, but don't speak yeah. right now. That means yeah. don't speak right now. Yes, um, and you need to take this verbal assault that <laughs> you are about to endure for uh, hours at times, um, and just an absolute, just literal wordage of thousands of assault, and nothing that you can say is going to do anything. It's just, it is what it is, and um, you know. Read. She, you know, she gives him really an out because she doesn't really go at him too much. Or she does, but in a different ways we're getting to. But you know, everybody's all freaked out by uh, uh, Black Alive getting killed, and even they show the watcher there with his yeah. uh, fat gold chain, watching, <laughs> seeing what happens. <laughs> and again, who could have ever imagined that that the power, most powerful superheroes of all time, going all out against each other would would actually end up with somebody getting hurt. I, I, yeah. I, I could not see that coming. Yeah, especially the black guy. No, nobody <laughs> saw that coming either. Um, so speaking, of, been... speaking of what's been going on, why is Radioactive Man in Captain? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Just a rando? No. <laughs> Just a rando? That would be my yeah. guess. Yep. Just a rando hero that they throw in there. He's um, not even a hero. Oh, well, yeah, he's a villain. Well, did, well guess, that's coming maybe. up here. Well, that's coming up at the end of, at the end of this issue. But he's but well, they, he's not they like a thunderbolt. Yeah, is he a thunderbolt? Is that what it is? Yeah, yeah he's not a thunderbolt. I get that. Yeah, I, mean, I don't know. Maybe that's a, yeah. Maybe it's thunderbolt. Hmm. Well, everybody's all freaked out. They're re whatevering the clone of um of Thor there, and you think maybe that's part of the the. Uh, Bucky story or this, uh, the the uh, Winter Soldier story, maybe for the movie. We know he's going to be part of the center of what's going on, and at least why everybody's turned on. At least why Tony and uh, Steve are turned on one another. Something that's going on with Bucky. Um, well, I think that's the motivation for Black Panther as well. There's, I think Bucky is either behind or attributed to some incident in Wakanda. That that's what turns. Um, uh, Black Panther against Bucky, which makes him allied right. with Iron Man by default. Yeah, but so know, I, I, I think it's I think they're beyond the the conditioning at this point. But I don't I don't know. It's hard to say. I've really been trying to stay away from that. I think keep yeah. this stuff online. I like I need to not read that. Yeah, like, I, I, I wish I, I could like queue it up and be like after the movie. I want to, I want all these links to be there. And I can read right. all that stuff and say yeah yeah that was it wasn't yeah. And that's kind of how I do after I go see the movie. Then I come, you know, I put, like, kids or whatever to sleep, and I sit here and read freaking reviews or whatever until 2 or 3 in the morning. 
And then it's like, oh, I got to go to work in like three hours. I should maybe go to sleep. And um, so, yeah, I mean, and we were just having this debate that, you know, the movie comes out, I guess, in what, two or three weeks now. And, you know, that's the Marvel free comic book day movie. There's always a movie on free comic book day. And so we usually do free comic book day in the morning and then go see whatever movie that comes out in the afternoon. But, I mean, this is projected to do like $175 million. Over that weekend, which means the theaters are just going to be swathed full of people. And I'm, I'm, um, one of my get off my lawn things, which I've kind of always had. Actually, you know me a long time. I hate crowds. Um, yeah. I don't like people being around people. I don't like people touching me. Um, so, like doing that line with kids is just not what I'm into at this point. So I'm like, I wonder if I can just do like we did Star Wars and do like we did Batman versus Superman. Just catch it on Thursday night. And, yeah. you know, see it then and then, you know, either go to work or not go to work on Friday. It doesn't really matter for me. And, you know, I, I just, I, I don't know. I mean, I'm excited, like, but I'm trying to hold it down. It's very Star Wars-esque for me. Like, all right, I mean, whatever, you know, fine. I hear y'all saying it's good, but I ain't saying it. You know, I'm just really trying to hold it down because I don't want to get the Wolverine or um, Origins <laughs> or um, Dark Knight Rises you know, whatever adjective you want to use there. I don't want that to happen to me again. Um, so, but the bigger point here after Bill Foster dies is Spider-Man is having second thoughts. He's completely outed himself as Peter Parker and Spider-Man. Starting to think that he made a big mistake. He might be on the wrong side. Um, you know, not exactly what I signed up for. You know, and, you know, and uh, Yellow Jacket is distraught too because, you know, uh, Black Goliath was one of his friends, partners, somebody that he had worked with in the past. Obviously, a Pym particle. Uh, yeah, Bill Foster is he's in like uh, Avengers, like number thirty or something. Like he's a pretty he's introduced pretty early, and he's mm-hmm. you know he's a he's a physicist on par with with Hank. He's a research assistant. He, I think a, I think he like stands up to Ultron. He gets the beat down, but like he's. He's portrayed as a pretty reasonable character, and you know, so I don't know what the sequence of events is where he gets, you know, he adopts the Goliath name and gets the particle and whatnot. But yeah, I mean, he was he was one of the earlier black characters, and and mm-hmm. he, it, what's happening here should carry more weight than it does. I think, like you said, it's purely for shock value at this point. Right, and you know, and you know, a lot of comics at this point are they're good at introducing characters, and it's not necessarily characters of color or female characters or just in different characters you know they're real good at introducing them but they give them such shitty backstories or they won't carry their push beyond whatever storyline that it was and then they you know it's all wrestling too then they bury them and then when they bring them back it's just like man i didn't care enough about that person to begin with you know and i'm reading this um i'm reading um uh, this book that we met the creators at South Carolina Con, um, X Men '92, where oh, yeah. it's yeah, it's using the '90s cart, it's using the '90s cartoon, but also the '90s area X Men as a like as a backdrop for the book. And like I'm looking at you, Omega Red, like they gave you like oh wow, this new introduction to this character. Excuse me, and he's got this you know something with Wolverine, whatever. But I mean, they gave him a couple of issues, and then you know he's easily dispatched and disposed of. Yeah. So why do I care now? So, you know, when you bring him back for something, this is kind of like, whatever. And so they do the, you know, modern comics does this all the time. 
you know, think of think of all your favorite books, you know, and think of like two significant characters that have been introduced in the Avengers, X Men, or whatever in the last twenty years that had a real significance. You know, like Gambit. I guess X twenty three for X Men, yes. but beyond that, I mean. You know, this had some real. I mean, we can name a lot, a bunch of the stinkers. You know, with Marrow and uh, yeah. fucking. Uh, I mean, there's just there's a bunch of sorry characters that they just introduced that don't mean anything. And like, I think you know, that's that's always tripled down with a character of color or like a female character. They go, okay, yeah, you know, this is good. You know, get some like a little bit of press for it, but you know, they'll bury them as soon as they can. Um, so yeah, Spider Man's not sure if he's on the right side. We ship back to Cap's base, and Cap must have Wolverine healing powers because his jaw was literally falling off yeah. uh, in that beatdown with the Iron Man. And, you know, he's saying, you know, we still got to stay the course, trying to get people to switch to our side, you know, and they had some people that switched from their side to the other side, too. You know, it's just a little bit yeah. of back and forth. And there's I mean, really, you like, contrast this to, like, the, the pitches in Secret Wars or something like this. And, again, it's not like, it's not like, hey, I don't like this any more than you, but this is what we're, you know, it's it's like, mm-hmm. are you crazy? We got, right. we got, toy, this is, yeah. <laughs> yeah. No, this is where, this is where, you know, I start to look, I start to turn away from, from Cap a little bit. You know, I don't think, you know, I think it's questionable, like, yeah, uh, Tony kept the material that they used to clone Thor, but I think a lot of that was Reed. So, you know, Tony hasn't really gone that far off the reservation meeting, but this is where right. you start to see, like, you know, Cap is starting to crack here. Yeah. And it could be because he just got his brain knocked off. Yeah, around. that could um, be. He might, he might have some post-concussion syndrome or something yeah, like that. Yeah, CTE. Yeah. <laughs> Tell the truth. Um, so. <laughs> so here, look at, but look at this thing. Nighthawk, the Young yeah, Avengers. Look, yeah, look who's leaving. Right. Yeah, that's that's uh, that's uh in the background. I think that's like silhouette. Mm-hmm. I remember there's some lightning character or something from there. I mean, yeah. Maybe there's some ranks. There's yeah. uh, Captain Marvel's back there in the background. She's photon, mm-hmm. I think, at this point. Right. These are some ranks. Um, yeah. Well, they're not gonna. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, they really keep the focus on the main characters and. You also wonder if you could have told this maybe on a smaller scale if you had just done, like, essentially Avengers versus Avengers and kept all the other side heroes out. You know what I mean? Uh, If they're the flagship of the the national government or whatever and they get blamed or, you know, they actually get blamed for anything regardless of what they do. That's fine. But the Avengers don't. So if you do that Avengers versus Avengers and make it more personal – do you, you know, and not bring in all these other people for the hell of it, essentially, because they don't mean anything anyway. I and mean, you could have killed all the young Avengers. Nobody would have given a shit. Um, but they're just background characters, you know, and they don't really add anything to the story. They really take more away from it than anything. Um, and and so, Cable quits? Cable quits yeah. on this. Right. I've been fighting Apocalypse my entire life. <laughs> I knew I could never win, but I've dedicated my entire life to defeating him. But they've got Thor. I'm out. It's, yeah. Uh, <laughs> this is where I think that when you turn over characters, you know, to uh, you know, the, the the Marvel bullpen to to write right. a crossover, sometimes you lose a little bit in the characters. Yeah. 
Right, exactly. And again, you do this Avengers versus Avengers. It's probably you know Cable's not in it, and you know the side books are just like, man, I can't believe they're fighting about this shit. All right, well, let's go take on you know uh, Dark Beast or whoever, whatever we're doing in these <laughs> books. But like, we're just we're not even dealing with that because it's just like an Avengers story. That's perfectly fine. Um, which I think what they would probably well no. The Secret Wars, they brought them all in again. It, I don't know. It's just flawed. Um, here's my other beef um, with this Black Goliath thing as it transitions to him, like, dying or whatever. Like, they couldn't shrink him down. Like, yeah, honestly, they, man. Yeah. They couldn't shrink him. They have Hank Pym on their team. Yeah. <laughs> and they couldn't get him. They couldn't. Uh, they, they they had no Pym particles to spare to right. shrink him down. Yeah, that's yeah. absolutely ridiculous. Yeah, so the the out the out on that is well, I'm glad we were able to find a big enough plot for him. Like, what the fuck did you? What? Yeah. Did you bury him in giant stadium with Jimmy Hoffa? Like, what the hell, man? Like, it's <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> reading this, and I started to get angry. My son's like, "What's wrong with you?" I'm like, "Man, nothing. Leave me alone. Just let me just finish this." And you did breeze over the the shadowy foreshadowing of the shadowy figure in the shadows. No, oh, yeah, we forgot about the shadowy figure. Yes, to return soon. Um, and then the lady who cocked the loogie in uh, Tony's face at the start yeah, of the series. Now here's the start where she just. This is a sequence of her just showing up and telling yeah. Tony how right he is and how awesome yeah. he is and how yeah this sucks but you're still in the right. And this is where well, they really, to me, start to glorify Tony. Right. Because they're like, well, yeah, you know, yeah, I'm sorry you had to turn on your boys, but you're, you're you know, you're you're getting revenge or, or justice for my son. So, you know, good on you. Well, and this is, and I took at this in completely a different angle. That, too. I'm like, hey, look, this is another nigga in the dirt. So, <laughs> you know, whatever, man. I could... Because I could see why we had a different perspective on this yeah. part. <laughs> well, I mean, honestly, you know, because, well, here's the, here's my kid's toy. I know there's a fucking 60-foot nigga in the dirt over there, the yeah. rest of us here, but here's a, here's a toy. So that'll make you feel better about this. There's, like, really? not, a tall enough, there's not a tall enough brother that I wouldn't yeah. sacrifice yeah. my son. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, it was like, seriously, nobody's there with, like, giant Black Lives Matter signs? But nothing, man. He's just there, <laughs> you know, whatever. Just stuck in the dirt. And, like, here's the toys. He's fine. You know, I know it's, I, I know he's dead. And I was, it was terrible. That's terrible and all. But so do you, whatever. Do you think this like, is truly representative of a black funeral? No. <laughs> <laughs> There's no whaling. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Jump in that grave. You, if you, my <laughs> baby. <laughs> but if you jump in that grave on that one, you literally are there. Because <laughs> there's no escape uh, from that pit uh, that he's in there. Uh, so it's just terrible. And not only that, they I mean, I know they have the chains on him to drop him in or whatever. But <laughs> yeah, it's just fucking I bad. I was thinking about that. Yeah, yeah. they have the chains. Yeah, it's some terrible <laughs> optics too, man. It's just uh, I could be sensitive about things, but I yeah, I I'm, I'm like, come on, man. You could you could have drawn that scene with him taking the chain off of him, but no, y'all left him in there, uh, fully chained up, uh, as he was a crazy person. 
that you just dropped into a sale. Uh, oh, so no. I just can't sometimes. I really can't. But yeah, yeah. This is sometimes I missed out on a lot of that subtext until now. Oh, and then, yeah, this and is then, another intentional, unintentional uh, story yeah. they're trying to tell you. Exactly. Um, so uh, Mary Jane's at the funeral. I don't know if I had mentioned this to you. I, I know I tweeted it out. Some, it was a while ago. Uh, I am a sucker for a well-drawn Mary Jane, an absolute <laughs> sucker. Um, she was on the cover of uh, an Iron Man issue maybe two or three issues ago, the Invincible one, that one I'm reading. And it was a great Mary Jane. I was like, solid. so I looked at that too. I was like, that's a good Mary Jane right there. And everybody's just, you know, grieving and mourning. And, you know, the last part is really a, like a narration of a letter that Sue has written to uh, read about why she's switching sides. And, you know, she told him not to say a damn word. And in typical woman fashion, she does some woman type shit, even though she's on her way out the door. Um, yep. You know, hey, you know, everything's fine. You know, I know we were at dinner. and I know you're still not paying any attention to me. You know, I'm leaving you, though. Sorry, but I am leaving your ass. But, you know, please take care of the kids. I'm not a bad mom. Here, I'm going to fuck you so you fall asleep um, so I can leave your ass. Like, it's just like a whole bunch of, like, female type things that, you know, make sense in the long run. But in the short term, you're like, what the fuck? Why did you just do that shit to me? Yeah. You about to leave me? Why'd you fuck me? I, I, I don't get this. Like, I'm so confused. <laughs> I don't get it. You, you say you love the kids, but you love them? Like, I don't get this. Like, help me understand. But reading in that point anyway, he's just going to make a robot to take care of the kids anyway. So she leaves him, you know, and <laughs> just to go out to Herbie again. Well, you know, we, Herbie, now that Johnny's back, you can just, you can be Sue now that she's Yeah, gone. you can be Sue now, yeah. <laughs> and, and there's other duties that come along with that, Kirby. Yeah, I'm sorry. Yeah, uh, I'm gonna build you with some holes that I'm gonna need to fill <laughs> time to time. Um, so just to let you know, don't worry about it. Um, so and then now it shifts again to um, the Avengers Tower, and like I didn't understand who this is. That that's not Maria Hill. Who is that lady? Uh, wait, what? Right after the thing, that so that would be Wasp. Is that Wasp? Okay. Yeah, because she because she can't take her uniform. Unlike Hank Pym, she can't take her uniform off apparently. Okay. <laughs> so I guess that's actually so it looks like Happy Hogan, Reed. Hank, uh, it doesn't look like Hank is there. So I don't know why she's no, there and Hank isn't. Yeah. Uh, because yeah, I guess I because she's the leader of the X Men or the leader of the Avengers. Okay. Well. Yeah, they they, they, they refer to as Jan. So. Yeah. Okay. Well, they go, and they've made up this new plan to corral the secret Avengers and pull a, for lack of a better term, a suicide squad, and yeah. uh, a, a, <laughs> I know, and pull up a group of of villains that are going to be used to bring the heroes back in. And you leave on the last page with Venom, Bullseye, is that uh, Mocking Mockingbird, Siren. Um, Siren. Who was okay. not Mockingbird, but what was her? So Siren was her Thunderbolt's name, and she was mm-hmm. something else. Screaming Mimi. Screaming Mimi, yeah. Screaming Mimi. Yeah. I'm assuming that's, uh, is that Hobgoblin in the background? Yeah, Hobgoblin. Is that Taskmaster? Taskmaster. And, and then who's, who's the dude with the pointy mask? 
Uh, Yeah, I don't know who that is. I don't know. Well, they round up a group of villains. That's to be continued. That they're going to go and find the secret Avengers again in a very Suicide Squad-like fashion and manner to try to, you know, round up the bad guys. And that's where it ends. Um, And we, like I said, we didn't get to five. I know we talked about maybe doing the three issues, but we'll just do the two and um, how that's going to turn out where it leads to uh, some stuff with the Punisher who gets dropped back into the, um, dropped into this too, whose team, I mean, he's, I guess he's team cap, but, um, you know, his allegiances are kind of weird because he's the Punisher. But, um, yeah, so, I mean, <laughs> as the book moves on from, from issue to issue, you know, it, it moves essentially at a snail's pace and kind of like Secret Wars where you start to get past the halfway point and then when you do get to issue five and six, I'm reading ahead a little bit, they're like, oh, hey, we got to get this over by issue seven. And so things hit the accelerator button, like, like or, the you know, hit really fast. Like, oh, well, you know what? We got to fix this, and we got to get this, and we got to get this all in before, you know, issue seven. And uh, in typical comic book fashion, things happen out of the ordinary that shouldn't happen. That If given over time, it could build to something where it would make a significance or a difference, and it doesn't. Um, so... I mean, like as overall, I mean, I picked this right be- this series because it's right before the movie is coming out. But as I'm reading it again, I'm not sure. One, there's a Civil War two going on right now, and I know it's only going on because the movie's coming out. But two, like I'm, you know, I'm reading it now. It's like you know, this is not that great of a series. Um, I don't know how you feel. Yeah, I mean, this is a story that it, you know it's. This is where you're sitting around. You're like, oh, wouldn't it be cool if Cap and Iron Man fought? Right. And then you have to tell the story. And you make the bad decision to make it seven parts. And you make the bad decision to bring in 78 other characters. And and you can see how far they've had to go. Well, you'll see as we get deeper into this how far away they have to go from the core characterization of these characters to make the story even work. And as it right. just diverges farther and farther from what the you know, the core of the characters, it makes less and less sense. And it right. and it has no payoff. There's mm-hmm. you know you you it's not right or wrong to root for either of those either of these characters, and so it's not right or wrong to you know there's no there's no win. You know how does this this as an end? Because there's no other like driving force. I mean I think there's you know you see here where. You know, there's shield maybe could have been driving this or whatever. And without, you know, without somebody kind of driving this, then it's just an unfortunate story. And it goes on for long. And then it just comes to such an abrupt end. So, I mean, I guess it would be kind of cool to see, you know, power versus power. But it's so cluttered, like you said, with so many people, you don't really get any sort of interesting interaction during the combat and all the, right. all the dialogue about like who's right, who's wrong is all, there's no answer to it. It's all like just rhetorical discussion. Right. So I think it's pretty ponderous. I think it, it, you know, it's, it's, I think it's an, an idea that seems interesting when you start, but as you get into it, you're like, well, where are we going to go with this? So I right. think that you're left with what we have here. Now, do you know the setup for civil war two? Have you been tracking that? No, I haven't even thought or so cared to even look. So in there, it's, it's Iron Man is the good guy, essentially. So he's more like the Cap. And right. um, Captain Marvel is more like the Iron Man. And the, the the point of contention is they have a way to predict. So it's basically future crime. 
that's Minority mm-hmm. Report or anything along those lines. They have a way to predict that things are going to be bad, and so they can take action before they do. And Iron Man doesn't accept, doesn't want to do that, and Captain Marvel mm-hmm. does, and so then that that doesn't make me happy at all. <laughs> yeah, I mean, again, I know why they do it. I know why they're doing it. It just mm-hmm. is not necessary. Right. And so, so why bother? Like that just that just bothers me. That like don't. Uh, okay. Yeah. Okay. I mean, again, I know why they're doing it. They want to have something that called Civil War coming out right before the damn movie comes out. That's fine. Fine. But, you know, there's okay with doing the the comic book tie-ins, you know, to the movie, you know, which I'm probably sure they're doing anyway. So tell a story that's kind of leading up to that through the comics and then tell it, you know, tell the story through the comics, which is, you know, kind of the Star Wars way. Like, just do it that way. It just, it would make sense. Why are you making up another story that... If Civil War, the original, has very few ramifications 10 years later, Civil War II, which is a cheap knockoff, is going to have even less ramifications in a shorter period of time. It's just going to be like a, a you know, a write-off, one-off. And um, I, I, I don't, yeah. you know, comics in and of itself, if they could get out of their own way, they would probably be able to make good quality books. And just like hockey, baseball, and the NBA, the first thing that you would need to do is eliminate probably half of the people that play or the books that you make <laughs> just off the top to increase the quality comes out because the quantity does not make quality. And yeah. if you eliminated some of the books, you'd have better writers, better artists on those books, better and tighter stories, and it would make them more interesting as opposed to just papering everything there and more forcing people to make decisions on what books they're going to buy. And, you know, you, me, any other functioning adult or whatever that doesn't have an enormous amount of uh, discretionary income is like, fuck that shit. I might read like this, or I might get the trade paperback six months from now, or you better not put that shit online because I ain't, I'm out. And, I, you know, and I, I don't, I, I always struggle. Like, I'm like, why do y'all not get that? And so DC is going to double down and do rebirth here in the summer like no we're going to print two books a month like (laughs) word unless they're a dollar each like who like who do you think is buying these books yeah you know people are buying the books and they got mortgages and freaking tuition payments and car payments and all that stuff you know when it comes down to it you know the books aren't that important especially if i could wait six months and then pay twenty dollars up front and get a trade it's just easier you know, if I'm really that interested in the story. So I just they need to get out of their way. Um, but anywho, right, dude, I'm going to we're going to shift it in that part of Civil War. Um, and you had brought this up. And so we can do it ahead of like the Punisher coming up in uh, the next issue. Um, you what you had mentioned about the Daredevil. Now, we had did like a brief Daredevil uh, podcast at the Brothers Comics podcast, but uh my two cohorts had only watched the first two episodes. Um I'm assuming that you've either finished it or you got through the majority of it. Yeah, I've seen it all. Okay. I have to. So we're we're good on that. Um so okay, so do initial thoughts I guess in comparison to season one and then we'll get into season two. I think Hello? the 
one of the cool things they're doing with this series is, you know, you know, like, the origin, like, how they became their powers. But I think what Netflix is doing is they're showing you, like, how they became the heroes. And so I think the the really the really cool thing they did with season two is it's almost less about um, Daredevil. It's more about Foggy. It's more about Karen. And then, obviously, the Punisher and Elektra. Um, right. And I think... I think Daredevil goes through his arc as well, but I think really they've made the supporting cast, whether it's hero or bystander or villain, whatever, mm-hmm. I think they've made all of them matter and they've made them all kind of compelling stories. Um, right. So I think they mixed the narrative in season two a little bit, you know, so it was one story about mm-hmm. the Kingpin. Um, so they had sort of the, the more of the Punisher parts and the more of the Electra parts. Mm-hmm. Um, I enjoyed the Punisher part of it much more. I'm not a, a I'm not really a fan of Elektra. Um, but, you know, I don't read a lot of Daredevil. Maybe if I did, uh, that would reverse. But, you know, I right. so going in, I, I thought the first season was phenomenal. I was excited to see what they did with the second season, and I was really glad that it wasn't just, you know, another season worth of what happens with Matt Murdock, but really they brought a lot of other characters that gave a lot of other time and a lot of, a lot of time to the supporting cast from season one. So right. I, I thought it was great. Okay. Yeah, I season one is probably one of the best things committed to the genre of comic book, sci-fi, and fantasy that I've seen. I mean, really ever. Um, the setup, even though they're doing and telling an origin story, it was compelling. And the idea of doing these issues and doing the episode, you know, like thirteen episodes is more is enough. You know, they don't overrun it. Like, you know, twenty twenty two episodes that you would do on a standard, you know. Uh, hour-long drama or whatever on network TV, it just worked. It fit the character. It fit Hell's Kitchen. It fit, you know, what I would expect Daredevil to look like, you know, not the colorful whatever, you know, red tights that we got on, you know, in the back, in the, the Affleck version or whatever. It just fit. And so, like, I binge-watched season one, you know, probably in a day and a half, and was like, whoa, okay, that was great. And, you know, and I watch it again, you know, another time because, like, oh, Walmart, you should watch this. I'm like, what? You know, and so, so <laughs> I want to watch it again, so you need to watch it too. So, you know, I thought it was great. So when I, you know, when season two was coming, you know, I was pretty excited about it. And I kind of felt the same way that you did. I did like the fact that they gave, you know, I saw, I was getting into it with somebody on Twitter the other day. They were like, oh, you know, uh, you know, they could got rid of Foggy. I'm like, Foggy is the only moral character on the yeah. show. I mean, if you get rid of him, then it's really just a show of people that are completely messed up, who have no real responsibilities whatsoever. And I, I don't think you can really have the show without Foggy. So I like that they gave him more to do, and they gave Karen more to do, even though like, it's kind of weird to see Karen so um, upright and functioning in the show, <laughs> where she's such a freaking train wreck in the books. So yeah. that's something new to accept for me. But the stuff with the Punisher is like a continuation of season one. Like, all that stuff is just phenomenal. Yeah. And you yeah. probably yeah. could have told the story just with Punisher and did 13 yeah. episodes just with the Punisher. The stuff with Elektra almost – the stuff with Elektra was fine, but when they brought in the the hand and the ninjas yeah. and stuff, I was like, man, this is now too comic booky. Like you yeah, made I mean, it. I, I think the cool thing about the hand was they made it, you know, it was a challenge for him because they, it affected his senses and whatnot. 
Yeah, and I know a lot of stuff I've read, like people are like, well, I didn't understand that. They didn't explain it, so I don't like it. Right. Well, right. I don't have an issue with that. You, you know, yeah. you don't have to be explained everything that appears on your TV, and you don't have to have a narrative. And so, you know, I think there was some mysticism and things like that. They, you know, were setting up, I think, more along the lines of the stories they're going to have to start telling once Iron Fist comes in, things like that. Mm. Um, so I was fine with that, but you know, I would have I would have gladly sacrificed every bit of that for more about the Punisher because it was that good. And the episode with Kingpin, with Kingpin and the Punisher, yeah, yeah. That, genius. That was that was. <laughs> yeah, you know when he you know when he gets turned on and he has to fight like, you know the eight guys or whatever. Yeah. Uh, I mean that was that was on par with. You know the 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 one take fight scene from the first season. Yeah, the horror to that with the you know the stairway fight. I mean, but you know that that scene where he's like, you know, you see him, you know, his portrayal is like, I literally do not care if I live, right. but I do care that all of you die. And yeah. just you know, he just lays into those guys. I mean, it, that was just great. I mean, Joe yeah. Bernthal was so good as the Punisher. Yes, he's yeah, he's outstanding in that. And and um, I don't have any, you know, I don't have any particular love or hate for the, the existing, you know, the, the Punisher movies. Like, I was excited when I found out about, like, the the Dolph Lundgren thing, but I'm still confused as to why Dolph Lundgren was a Punisher. And it's it's okay <laughs> for what it is, but it's not really a Punisher movie. Um, the one with Thomas Jane, I think there's good parts of it. I hate Tom, or John Travolta. So that's yeah, the problem yeah. for me. And then right. the other one is like where it's just pure carnage. Um, you know, that that's that's the punisher, but it doesn't have you know, you didn't you didn't you didn't feel the empathy for him like you do in the in this series. Right. And uh, you know, I would love to see them I would love to see Daredevil or the Punisher, these guys that they've really fleshed out show up in the Marvel movies and not get marginalized. Um, right. You know, I don't want to see them show up and be the background characters like we just saw in Civil War, because right. I think they're, you know, they're really rich characters they're developing. I, I, I love what they're doing on Netflix. And because of what they've given those hours to develop those characters and over the course of, you know, almost 13 hours, they've been able to give those characters backstories that make sense whereas a movie gives you two and a half hours where it you know you don't get that much time to build those characters up and i think in a sense having like daredevil or punisher show up in you know in in a role in a movie not necessarily maybe not the avengers but if they showed up in some of the other movies like spider-man or um like a solo movie like iron man or something like that it one it expands their universe to show like hey you know this is all interconnected which I think would be really cool but it also too I think it would help the overall like I I, I think it'll give some depth to the the bigger characters too for them to understand that you know hey something's going on here that we're doing that is just as important as what you're doing but we're not getting the credit for it to create that little bit of tension that that it does exist between them you know like. You know, like existed between Heroes for Hire and the Avengers. Like those things exist that, you know, y'all are getting all the credit, but we're the ones doing the grunt work. And, you know, how that plays out in, you know, in a relationship between two people doing the same job is one getting all the glory and the other one not getting shit on. Um, so, I mean, I think it would work that way. Um, and I think I told you, we interviewed the director for yep. that Punisher movie. And, you know, and she said, I mean, she just really just lifted it from Marvel Knights. I mean, that's basically what she did you know, panel for panel and some of those scenes, you know, 
that, you know, that she, you know, her study of the character, I, she thought that that was something that would be, you know, decent. And even though the movie kind of got shit on and didn't make a bunch of money, you know, most, you know, comic book people are like, hey, you know, this is actually pretty good. It's probably a more mm-hmm. realistic portrayal of the Punisher, like closer to the comics than anything that they'd seen, especially coming out of Thomas Jane. And, you know, people love it. And, you know, like I said, when I talked to her, uh, when I interviewed her, she was like, yeah, um, th- uh, that was more than an homage in Daredevil. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> that was more than an homage, you know, like have me come and direct an episode or uh, like at least give me a special credit or something, yeah. you know, near the end because you pretty much lifted the character exactly from the movie for me. Um, so, you know, I mean, I, I, yeah, they, so moving towards season three for that, like, you know, and we have, so that came out, Luke Cage comes out in September, which I'm pretty, we never talked about Jessica Jones, but I'm, I'm sure you watched it and I enjoyed that too. It probably could have been 10 episodes as opposed to 13, but it was a little long in the tooth at the end, but it was fine. I, I enjoyed it. Um, I recently then, watched the I watched the first episode of that again, um, and I was I was really surprised. I had forgotten like you know how what a slow burn that is, what the setup is. I mean that's I mean that that show was really constructed in a cool way. Yeah, um, and the villain, the you know the purple man Kilgrave was was spectacular. And it, oh, you know, yeah, he's and great. It's really cool to me when when people pick up like a, obscure characters from the Marvel universe and tell the stories about them. I mean, I'm always in favor of that. Um, you know, one of my favorite series was, um, you know, X Factor when it became a story. You know, the book about this Havoc, Polaris, Strong Guy, Wolfsbane, and Madrox. You know, it was you know like the five least prominent characters in the Marvel universe when they reboot in the X Men universe when they rebooted it and gave Jim Lee and Most Potassio the other main books, and you have these other right. five kind of cast off. But Peter David's writing it, and it's a great story. And I, I love to see these characters, you know, write stories about them. Um, right. And so, and it's, I think it's 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 something that that really pays off. But you know, so often we get retreads of some of the main main characters. So. Right. And Netflix works better for a story about the Purple Man. Um, yeah. You know, like <laughs> it just works better uh, because it took can... more than two hours to make him interesting. Right. Yes. And yeah, yes, you, if you had hours. to tell that story in two minutes, he would he would pop up and burn out. Um, right. You know, before before you got that story out. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, I, I mean, I thought it was great. Luke Cage comes in September. Uh, friend of the show and Belmont alumni Curtis Cook uh, is on is in Luke Cage, um, and so we're gonna definitely talk to him once it premieres. He was under a pretty strict non-disclosure um, <laughs> when we talked to him about it before. Uh, but, oh, God, those they're awful. Um, so, um, uh, but, yeah, we'll talk to him once that goes. And then I think coming up after that is either, I think it's either Daredevil 3 or The Defenders, where they'll well, put them all together. Are, no, it's Iron Fist, so. So the oh, first stuff is right, starting Fist. to come out of our Iron Fist. Um one of the guys from Game of Thrones has been cast, and they've started yeah. to put out some of the other casting choices, like um, Harold Meacham and his siblings, who are all related to the Rand family. So. Yeah, I saw that first picture 
Um, <laughs> it all hurtled out and wandered in the streets. Yeah, yeah I wasn't okay. thrilled. Um, so that's fine. Uh, but yeah, so Iron Fist, and then yeah, at some point they're going to get them all together to do the, the Defenders, which you know Netflix has. You know they built up enough credit for me where they could throw a stinker in there. Uh, I'm probably more concerned about Iron Fist than I am about Luke Cage, but only because the character hadn't been introduced yet. Mm-hmm. Um, so, uh, you know, they did a great job of introducing Luke Cage in Jessica Jones, you know, where you got a chance to at least get a little bit of his backstory. And so now when the series starts, you know, you're kind of hitting the ground running. You're not like, well, why is what? Who? How do you get his pa-? You know, like a, a good portion of it has been explained. So now you could at least, um, explore that. I mean, I've had to, you know, I'm reading Power Man, uh, which is great, by the way. Um, you know, I'm getting, I'm, what's that? What are you reading? The new Power Man and Iron Fist book. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah they relaunched. It's on issue, actually, issue three, I think, came out yesterday. And, have, you read, um, have you read the origin of, of Power Man? Have you read that book? Um, Not probably in a while. Um, You know, it's, uh, it's pretty bad. Yeah, it was on some Tuskegee Airmen type shit. <laughs> yeah, it's exactly. pretty horrible. I was reading that the other day because uh, they put it up on Marvel Unlimited. I was like, oh, are yeah. we okay with this? this I mean, yeah. black exploitation yeah, covers a lot of sins as far as, uh, you know, writing and, and racism and things like that, I guess. It's, yeah. It's pretty bad. Yeah, and I know we were just on it about the '90s version of Luke Cage with his, uh, you know, that was freaking, even worse. Yeah, that, that was pretty much what I was trying to explain to them. I was like, you know, they tried to turn Luke Cage into an image character essentially, uh, with some freaking uh, some Fubu and yeah. some Jordans. Essentially, I mean, it was just terrible. I mean, yeah, it was. Just, that I just, it was just that all they did was exchange a different set of stereotypes. Right. Yeah, and it was awful. And people were like, oh, I remember I had this issue. I was like, I remember I picked it up and put it back down because I was like, this is some bullshit. Mm-hmm. You know, you're taking a character that's already marginalized and stereotyped and marginalizing him and stereotyping him more. Like, who who do you think is reading this? Because it's not black people. And then they wonder why the book freaking struggles. Like, if you're making that book for for, like, people of color to read and you fill it up with stereotypes and then no people of color writing, drawing, or inking it, the book's going to fail. I'm like, oh, well, they don't support their books. Like, we don't support shit. You know, <laughs> just because you there's a black character and we're not going to buy crap just yeah. because, you know, I mean, I mean, in in a sense, you know, but like, you might get it for a couple of issues, but uh, eventually people, rec- you know, game recognizes game, son. You know, and I'm <laughs> going to recognize that this is some crap and I'm not going to go past it the first couple of issues. You know. Yeah, and he also, he has a terrible villain yeah, the terrible rogues gallery. Terrible rogue gallery. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. It's not. I mean. Yeah. And and he pairs better with Iron Fist together, at least in the comics. You know, he having either of them alone, it just doesn't make any sense. That's why this book works so well together, um, and it's written, you know, in a in a sense that they know that they work better together, even though they don't want to work better better together. They really know it. I have, as I said last podcast, I was going to send you your shirt. I still have your shirts here. And I was like, I'm going to put Black Panther in there too. I still have it sitting on the bed. Like, it's awesome. <laughs> but I have two copies of uh, the Iron Fist 1, Pyro Man Iron Fist 1, because um, 
we met the create the artist at one of the cons and he had signed a book for me. So I'll send you one of those two. Eventually it'll make it there. So all right. So we'll wrap up the Civil War podcast and our little Daredevil review here. Um next week we will do issues five and six and then that'll be lead us almost into the last issue before we get to the actual movie. Um so uh as we review here, uh, be sure you check us out on SoundCloud and iTunes. Um, you can find us on Twitter at Brothers Comics. That's B-R-O-T-H-A-S Comics uh, at Twitter. And then on Facebook, you can find us at the Hutchinson, Brothers Hutchinson, B-R-O-T-H-A-S-H-U-T-C-H-I-N-S-O-N. You can find us there. You can follow me, like us, follow the pages. Uh, if you listen to the podcast, leave a review, especially on iTunes. If you leave like a three, four, five-star review, uh, and then we get enough reviews that will get more um, eyeballs or ears, earballs, <laughs> it'll get more earballs on our podcast and get us an opportunity to expand uh, uh, our into a different like kind of market. So definitely share with your friends and spread the word. Um, and uh, like I said, we we like those reviews, even if it's a bad review. We'll at least take those because we want to try to make sure that we're getting this done properly for the people that are listening to it. Uh, looking ahead, um, uh, at least Brother Beavis, I'm not sure about, or not Brother Beavis, at least, uh, who am I? The producer. At least the producer is going to make it to the Marble City Comic Con in Knoxville, Tennessee this weekend, uh, at least for the Saturday. I am not. don't think I'm going to stay over, but there will be uh, lots of creators there. The artists of the original Secret Wars will be there as a gym something. I can't remember what his name was, but he will be there. Yeah, no, he's the editor, the artist. His gym something. No. uh, Artist on the original Secret Wars. I know, you guys, we brought him up a hundred times. Yeah, well, he's going to be there, and I got questions. Um, I was going to say, are you going to take him to task on uh, Rody? Well, you know what, though? Artists draw and writers write. And that's true now and is true probably is truer now and is probably even more true then. Although they probably Mike wrote the same there you go, Mike Zach, yeah. He will be there. I mean I will I'm gonna ask him about definitely about the uh the black Spider Man costume and you know, how he felt about that. I might leave out the other stuff unless the artist is, <laughs> or unless the writer is there because he probably doesn't know nor care. And I don't want to get thrown out of the Comic Con. Um so uh, and as I said to Brother Beavis here, uh, we are big wrestling fans, huge wrestling 80s, huge re- 80s wrestling fans, minimal early 90s wrestling fans, and then huge late 90s wrestling fans, and then we're off the charts at this point. We don't watch that stuff. Um, but one of our favorite characters, managers, Jim Cornette, is going to be at the con. And I was just saying, I typically, with a press pass, I typically wouldn't or shouldn't have to pay to talk to people. But if they make me pay to talk to Jim Cornette, uh, I'm probably going to pay. Um, <laughs> he's just a fascinating figure. Uh, he's a great Twitter follow. If you don't have Twitter, he's a great Twitter follow. His podcast is wildly entertaining, uh, especially if you like um, 80s wrestlers and wrestling. He talks to people. He just had Ricky Morton on. I'll send you the link. It's great. Um, so um, I definitely want to talk to him and We'll get some pictures up for y'all, and I'll get my kids to cosplay, and so we'll just have a really good time uh, uh, at Marble City Comic Con in Knoxville, Tennessee. So, uh, at this point, it'll just be the producer. I'm not sure about Big Hutch and Fino. So, uh, but that's it. So we're going to wrap up, and we will see y'all. There's no other topics of the day you want to cover. 
I don't think so. Oh, You're not ready know, for that yet? Well, you know, if you might keep hearing my phone beep. Uh, I mean, we're gonna, we can do a quick RIP. Uh, today, uh, the artist known as Prince passed away. Uh, I was at my office, and I just happened to scroll on my Twitter on my phone, and I saw it. And um, uh, <laughs> I did not move out of my chair and my desk probably for a solid 25 minutes just looking at the screen as I pull it up on my laptop. It's just uh, Brother Beaver's known for a very long time. There are only a few celebrity people that I generally admire um, and Prince would have been one of them and then the other one being John McEnroe. Uh, So 2016, keep your fucking hands off of John McEnroe. That's basically all (laughs) I gotta say because I may not be I, I I wouldn't be able to take that after this one, <laughs> to be quite honest. With you. Uh, 2016 has been pretty rough on on. It's awful. Yeah, just awful. Uh, I mean, I'll be honest with you. I mean, I wasn't a huge Bowie fan, but that one hurt a little bit. This one hurts so much more. Um, so yeah, I'm uh, I'm a huge Prince fan. You know, kind of I kind of left him. You know, in the mid to late 90s. The, yeah, mid to late '90s, you know, because he was a, you know, a rap is crap kind of person, and you know, I wasn't trying to hear that. And you know, I think you know, popular artists do, you know, pop music stars do have a shelf life. You know, you just get to the point where you'll listen to all their old stuff backwards and forwards, but at a point, you know, you just, you know, I'm not gonna buy. It. Play some Skinner, man. You know, it's you know, you don't, you know, you're not really trying to hear the new stuff, and that's kind of where I had gotten with him, you know, uh, and. But, you know, I listen to his old stuff, you know, fairly religiously in the car and, you know, in my spare time. So uh, him dying or whatever. And he was just here in Atlanta, too. And it's kind of funny. I was just like, I wonder how much tickets is for that. And I looked and I was like, whew, that's a lot of cheese. And I was like, I can't, you know, one, you know, wife ain't going to let me go by myself. And then two, like, you know, I wouldn't want to go by myself anyway, but I'm not going to, you know, spend, you know, $300 essentially to go to a concert for two two hours. Just not going to make sense monetarily. And so now I'm thinking, damn it, I should have just spent three hundred dollars because it was one of the two of the last three shows that he ever did. So uh, you just never know. But basically, that's it. Do you got any Prince perspectives? No, I mean obviously the you know the true artist in in every sense of what that word means. Uh, you know that's not my genre, but he always had enough guitar and either suggestive or explicit lyrics and videos that, you know, I, you know, I was, I was down to some degree, but, you know, like I said, the true artists, I know, I think the, you know, the biggest influence is like, if you think about how many people that are like super creative that are inspired by his creativity, this says, you know, that right there says something. And I think, you know, he was not only influential in that regard, but, you know, with his stance as far as taking on the symbol and name, I think, you know, he was, he had influence on the industry. I think his, you know, his Super Bowl performance right now is being held up as like one of the best ever. I mean, right. just un, unquestionable talent and artistry, um, yeah. you know, to go along with everything that that entails. So, you know, yeah. rest in peace is all we can say at this point. Yeah, I mean, literal genius and with genius comes quirkiness for sure. Um, and, you know, but that quirkiness led to, you know, ridiculously good music. And, you know, Purple Rain was on MTV today, and I was just like, I need a sanitized version of this to show my kids. So, <laughs> but because I don't want my son to get, you know, 
cleansed in the waters of Lake Minnetonka. Yeah, no, it's my favorite scene. I'm not sure if that's appropriate for a ten-year-old. Um, so uh, it's just, yeah, it, it's hard. Oh, I ain't gonna lie. It's that it was rough, and it was a moment earlier in the day or later in the day, and I was like doing something, and I was, I got to the point where I could tell I was like, uh, like I was too stressed to be parenting, and like my kids were around and at them, like just. Leave me alone. And I, you know, catching myself, I'm like, oh, I'm freaking in sort of grieving right now. Y'all just need to go away. Just go away. It's not, you do whatever you're going to do because I need to, like, process this a little bit. Like I said, I, I don't fall on the altar of celebrity that often, uh, but that one fucked me up. I say, because I think the text that I sent you as I was sitting at my desk, unable to get up with my freaking chest was stupid heavy. So. Yeah, we'll leave it at that. But I, my phone is buzzing because I, female perspective and Big Hutch wanting to do a memorial podcast here. Uh, so I'm trying to, you know, get to them too before it gets to midnight. Uh, so I don't know about you. I find I don't sleep as much as I've gotten older. I know it's supposed to be the inverse of that. I don't do a lot of sleeping. Plus, playoff basketball doesn't make me sleep either. So, uh, no, anyway. But all right. So we will definitely uh, be back next. Thursday, and uh, maybe Big Hutch and Female Perspective will get Brother Beavis on their um, Game of Thrones podcast, and I did send you that other podcast about Chappelle's show that we got to talk about off-air yep. and figure that out, but uh, def- that's that's just an excuse to watch Chappelle's show. That's basically what it is, so <laughs> I just want to be able to do it and say I'm doing it for research purposes, so all right, so I'm going to sign off as the producer. Go ahead and sign off, Brother Beavis. All right, catch you next time. All right, man. Later. Lucky Land Casino, asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car, before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.